just, aren't you thankful we have a table to come to, amen? All because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give it up one more time. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. I want to read real quick because this is exactly where, where I hope that we find ourselves this morning. The bridge in that song, Rich just sang, says, To the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young, to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last, all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, you've been forgiven. All who dream, all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the lost you have been found, all, who's, all who've been labeled right or wrong, everyone, everyone who hears this song, come to the table. That's what it's about. That's, that's the message of the gospel. That's the whole purpose of the church. That is the whole movement that we've been studying over the past several months with Pastor Toby going through the book of Acts. And I want to invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. We're continuing this series. Pastor Toby is over in West Africa with our uh, adopted people group over there. Him, Miss Linda Parker, and Miss Pam Lawrence. Uh, Lord willing, they haven't lost Toby yet. Uh, and and uh, Miss Parker is still uh, sane halfway, at least. Uh, but, but they're over there doing the good work of the gospel. I saw a picture of Miss Parker. Uh, I believe more of a family member's post of her just loving on those children and the opportunities there. Uh, and it's just a great, great joy to be able to be part of that, even as, as, uh, as he's over there and I have the chance to come and proclaim God's word to you. And again, uh, our heartbeat is to see the gospel proclaimed. Real quick, one announcement I do want to say, uh, and this is just a shout out to all of y'all that, that helped out with our trunk or treat this past week. We had an amazing turnout. We had uh, what we've calculated to be over 500 people that just came through that we were able to just share and show some practical love uh, into them. And we do want to announce, we actually had the community just as a fun competition vote on the best trunk. Uh, and we did tally up the winner for that. And we want to announce that it was my trunk as I counted all the votes. And, uh, and I, it was close, but no, we do, we do give a shout out to Kids Connected Ministry who won uh, with a Star Wars theme, Miss Alicia and Miss Heather all over there. Uh, it was just a great time. And, uh, and, and like I said, let me just say, those are the chances we get to share and to show the love of God. And I think, I think if anything, just the people working the trunks, we had a great time just hanging out. But more importantly, we had a chance to, to love on new families that quite possibly had never stepped foot on a church campus before. And uh, uh, some of them joined us the following day for our movie night. So it's just been a good week of ministry, and so we want to celebrate that. And again, opportunities, as you saw in the video, opportunity, Operation Christmas Child, you can still pick up shoe boxes. I don't know if we have any more of the pre, uh, pre-made shoe boxes, but if nothing else, you can use your own shoe box, or you can get even more so. We chat, we, I would encourage you to possibly go to the store, get one of those Rubbermaid containers that's about the size of a shoe box, because those kids take that, they can keep that, use it later on. So just uh, however, however you see fit to be part of that, 
give, uh, give towards that. And then also uh, this Thursday, we have opportunity to serve the community with the concession stands. We've done that for years in this playoff game here at home. You can sign up in the back. All kinds of different opportunities to share and shine that love. But let's dive in to see what God has done with us right now. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we bless your name. Jesus, thank you for the finished work of the gospel. Thank you for the cross and what that gives us. Father, may we never forget. Help us remember today. God, we're walking this life. We're living this this hope. We're living and walking through circumstances. And if we're not careful, we can easily get sidetracked. God, remind us this morning as we look at a situation that Paul faced. as, As one of your spokespeople, God, one of your spokesmen for the good news. God, encourage your church. Exhort us. Challenge us to walk in full devotion to you. We honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but it is hard for me to stay devoted to some things. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, I, some of y'all have noticed, some of y'all have asked, yeah, I've lost 17 pounds over the past month, and it's one of those things that, let me tell you, I've been trying to lose that much for about 17 years, okay? It's just one of those things. But I get distracted with some devotion sometimes. I don't know what it is. It may be the fact that you walk in. I just love cheeseburgers too much. Uh, maybe I, I Potatoes, that's probably the hardest thing I've had to give up are potatoes in this because I'm one of the meat and taters, meat and taters. You give me, uh, I, I'll just say, I pray that there are Miss Vicky's mashed potatoes in heaven okay that's all i'm gonna say and the best part is is that it's you know it's, it's not going i can just eat you can just eat hey we're gonna sit at a feast amen and we're gonna enjoy some good food but it's one of those like maybe i love food too much but but to stay devoted and to stay to stay focused if nothing else can be very difficult even even in the short hour and a little bit over an hour we have in here we lose that we lose that focus we get distracted I, Talking to my kids is probably, and, and if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I've made fun of my father-in-law all the time because I heard him say, and he was quoted all the time by saying, listen to me with your eyes. But now as a parent, I know exactly what he's saying because I'm trying to talk to my kids and they're sitting there going, like their face is focused on you, but their eyes are completely gone. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, like you're looking, and, but they're like, they're doing everything they can to not move their face, but their eyes are going to find the furthest corner. And then you finally, you ask the question. And husbands, we're, pro- we're guilty of this just as much, right? We have, you get the question, you're in a conversation with your spouse, they're saying something, but you're not really devoted to the conversation. And all of a sudden, you get the dreaded question, what did I just say? That's when you just slowly back away. You just slowly walk, I mean, just turn and walk away. But we get distracted in this life, and, and I think if, if we're not careful, especially as Christians, in this world that we live in, it is a world full of distractions. And what, we, what I want us to see this morning as we build on the, the New Testament churches, we see how the gospel has, has radically changed the lives of these believers, these followers of the way. They weren't even, they weren't even called Christians primarily. They were, they were just known as different people of the way. How they stayed devoted. 
as they devoted and gave themselves fully to this life. And can I just say, the Christian life is exactly that. It's a life that you live. It's a life that we're called to live. And so, what I want us to look at this morning, I, my main point, or my, it's more so a question this morning, and we'll unpack it a little bit more. If anything, I want us to take away this morning is asking ourselves this question. When it comes to the gospel, am I devoted or am I distracted? We have to ask ourselves in this life. We have to look what God desires us to do is to evaluate our lives and ask ourselves this question every day. When it comes to the gospel, am I devoted or am I distracted? I want to give us a couple tests. I want to give us a couple ideas of how to kind of gauge that because we're called to look at that. And, And let me tell you, that is for every single one of us. Paul sets the example as a leader, but it's not just for other leaders. He, ch- he tells other members, he tells the church in Corinth, imitate me because I'm nothing but another follower of the one that, that I'm imitating who is Jesus Christ. Don't, don't just try to follow me because I'm a leader. Try to follow me because I'm following Jesus. And that's ultimately what we're asking. Are we devoted to following or, we do, or do we get distracted when we're, do, when we're following? Let's look at Acts chapter 21 beginning in verse 17. It says, when, he, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. Now, first thing I want us to see in this passage, as we ask ourselves that question, am I devoted or am I distracted? I want us to kind of see one thing that we find first off in here. This is kind of a litmus test to help determine how devoted or how distracted are we. First thing we see is humble devotion flows from a gospel-focused life. The first thing we see as we unpack the, the message, as we look and see the life of Paul and the ministry and the, and the story, because that's the beautiful thing about Acts. You know, sometimes we get caught up in Acts, in, in, in Paul's writing and their teaching, their instruction, their, their direction, do, you know, it, it's, it's challenges, it's back and forth, and we can get caught up sometimes in all those things and go, oh, okay, wait, so I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not supposed to. I love the book of Acts because the book of Acts is nothing but a story telling us what it looked like. Not just telling us what to do, it tells us how it was done. And we can learn, I think we learn best sometimes in the life of those stories. And we find what's going on here. And we see that there's a humble devotion that flows from a gospel focus or a gospel centered life. It says that James and all the elders, as, as Paul and his followers, which included Luke, who was the writer of Acts, it says they came to Jerusalem and, and the brothers received them with gladness. They gladly received. These, catch this, this minister to the Gentiles. Now, I want you to understand, we, I don't want us to overlook the, the boldness and the, the magnitude of what's going on here because this is the Jerusalem church receiving Gentile followers. 
They say, okay, well, but no. No, you don't understand. The Jerusalem church is receiving outsiders when they were the ones that claimed we're set apart. We're our own people. God is using us special. We're, we're, we're. And God says, no, there's a bigger picture here. And the beautiful thing is, is that Because James, because Paul, because the leaders, they were humbled and they were devoted to the follow, to their following of Jesus Christ. There's a there's a out overflow of that in the way that they interact. Can I just say that humble devotion has to start with leadership? Humble devotion, when we're talking about if we're devoted or we're distracted, the call for a humble devotion starts with leadership. And, and I'm not just, there, there's so many applications for this because we could talk about leadership in the home. We could talk about leadership at work as we're called in our workplace to, to walk in such a devotion and such a humility to Jesus that, that it overflows, that it flows out in the way that we interact. It, it ultimately, it, it, we see this flowing out of the, the leadership within the church. Are we devoted or could we possibly be a little distracted. Here's the, here's the beauty. Keep reading with me. Look, at, look again at, at, Acts 9, at Acts 21 verse 19. It says, After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done. Catch this. Among who? The Gentiles. Through his ministry. Paul comes to the Jerusalem church with a purpose and with a focus. And that is to report All the things God is doing in the Gentile church. And you know what happens? Verse 20, it says, and when they heard it, they started criticizing. When they heard it, they said, well, that's just not the way we do things around here. They said, Paul, what's wrong with you? Don't you know how we do things? Don't you, you're coming to tell us about all this work. Did you not tell them this? Did you not tell them that? Did you not, did you not tell them that we only listen to this kind of music? Did you not tell them that we have to have this kind of sermon? Did you not tell No, what did they do? They glorified God. If I say glorified, they glorified God. Because, why? Because their focus was so devoted to the gospel of Jesus. Their focus was so in tune with the Spirit of God that they, it, it didn't matter what was going on. The, these Jews, they could have started claiming all these things, and we'll see something that flows within that if we're not careful. But it, the, the question we have to ask when talking about the humble devotion that flows from this gospel center, this gospel-focused life, or can we just kind of change one word in that statement? That humble devotion flows not just from a gospel-focused life, but from a gospel-focused church. We have to ask ourselves, as church, this is, this, is, this is what it came down to. The Jewish leaders could have easily stopped and said, hang on, Paul. Wait a minute. Don't you know how we do it? The question ultimately comes to this. Is church more about him or about us? Is, is, is church 
is our gathering together. When I say church, I'm not just talking about a service. I'm talking about the body of believers. I'm talking about the unity and the marriage between the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and His bride that became one, that are, that are now, they are so intertwined that, that the church is now the body and Jesus is the head. Is, is the body of Christ more about us or more about Him? Well, Henry, you just don't know. No, I do. I get it. We, I didn't grow up that I understand. I do. But God has called us to focus on Him. And let everything else play out. We'll get to that. We'll, and we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more. Paul unpacks that for us and, and displays that for us. But, but the first kind of litmus test or the first marker that we could look is we could ask you, is there, is there a humble devotion flowing out of a gospel-focused life? Is my life so focused on Jesus that when, when it comes to the church, when it comes to my family, when it comes to my friends, when it comes to my job, when it comes... When it comes to the time when no one else is around, is there such a humble devotion that flows out of us? The problem is, is that we we kind of we got distractions and and things kind of pull us away from this understanding. And I want us to look at two ditches that we as we're driving on this line this lane or we're driving on in this life of the gospel we've got ditches that we've got to be careful that we don't swerve into that we don't get sidetracked into those two ditches are this two ditches can distract us one legalism two licentiousness now some of you are going whoa that that word has more than 10 letters in it hang on henry help me out uh, trust me that word I, I had to look it up to make sure i spelled it right okay autocorrect was trying to jack it all up but let me let me just kind of break this down because what we have as we look at our lives as we gauge this calling as we live this life and we seek to be focused on the gospel, if we're not careful, what happens is there's two ditches that we can go back and forth. First one, legalism. Now, legalism is simply, best way to put it, it's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus something equals salvation. And we see this ditch, we see this, this, this distraction brought in here as we look. Look at, look at verse 20 with me and continue reading it says and when they heard it they glorified God and they said to him you see brother how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed they are all zealous for the law and they have been told about you that that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses now wait a minute Moses is the, founder, is the founder of the Mosaic law he is, he is kind of like that staple figure like, you, you kind of put Moses in there, like if we were to look at the staple figure of our country, George Washington, those kind of the men who signed the deck, that's kind of the, the sta- that's Moses there, okay? He is like the founder guy, and you're telling them to just forget about him? And these Jews that, are, that have been taught the law, they've been battling back and forth, they're hearing this law, and they're getting stuck in this ditch. And, and James says, look, we've got, we've got an issue because we've got guys that are so caught up in this ditch, they're, they're struggling with you, Paul. They're, they're battling what you're teaching. It says, it says, and they had, verse 21, they had, 
have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. So you've got kind of the two major staples that that made distinguish the Jews from everybody else, and you've got the the physical circumcision of the of the firstborn, and then you've got and then you've got the 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 rituals, the customs, the law. And as, as the church was seeking to, to be fully devoted, there was this ditch that people get caught up in that if we're not careful, we come in and we start looking and we can get caught up in the ditch of legalism if we're not careful. Well, wait a minute, Henry. You, I, you, you, you're telling me that it's Jesus not plus something? Wait a minute, Henry. You're telling me it's Jesus not plus church attendance? It's, it's not Jesus plus my Bible reading. It's not Jesus plus my prayer time. It's not Jesus. No, it's not. It is by grace through faith alone that not of any works of yourself, lest any man should boast. It is only by the grace of God. And if we're not careful, we got caught up. And even as Christians, even as we seek to devote our lives, I battle it. I guarantee you sit down with any leader, any believer that's been a believer of any length of time, that there's this constant tension where we're trying our best and, and, we're, and we keep having to fight and make sure we're not in that ditch because it's so easy to look and go, yeah, that's right, I read my Bible today. That's right, I, 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 spent, I spent two hours in prayer. <laughs> More power to you. I, 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 you, you've seen you. If you've had a conversation with me, you know I'm I'm I battle that. <laughs> you know, but I did this or I did that or. I, and and here's the problem: the the fear is with legalism is that if we if we don't if we don't lean towards that way, then we'll battle the other way because then we've got legalism and then we've got licentiousness. And let me just simply define licentiousness, okay? Just the easiest way to find it is Jesus plus forgiveness equals I can do whatever I want. The tendency is if we're not careful because there were, and there was a tendency back then is that these Gentiles were not raised in the Jewish law. These Gentiles were not raised in these Jewish customs and so they're going to receive Jesus and they're going to go out and do whatever they want and, and we can't be having that, Paul. We can't, we can't see that because if we, if we have that, if, it's, if that's salvation, then what good is this? And let me, can I just say that the mindset that Jesus, lo- I love to sin and Jesus loves to forgive, so what's the big deal, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Just as much as the lie of we are called to trust Jesus, but we have to do this as well. Yeah, you, you ask Jesus to forgive you, but you better make sure you do this, or guess what, you might not be, no. Here's the deal. We're not delivered by what we do. We are not delivered by what we do. If, it, if that is the case, then I am delivered and then enslaved. I'm delivered then enslaved because guess what? My life goes like this. I don't know about anyone else, but there are times when I feel like I'm walking great and there are times when I feel like it's going awesome and then there are times when I feel like there's no chance for me, Right? Am I the only one that feels that way? Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but it gets tough. 
And we're, so there is joy and there is hope to, to understand that we're not delivered by what we do. But catch this as well. We're also not delivered to do whatever we want to do. We're not delivered by what we do, but we're not delivered as well to do whatever we want. There is a lie that is sweeping through the church today that says if you just trust Jesus, if you just pray this prayer and ask for forgiveness, you will be delivered from the penalty in hell and you can keep living your life however you want. That is not the gospel. Here's what, really, here's what the gospel is. Jesus delivers us by what he did for us to do what he wants us to do. Jesus, by the grace and the hope found in the cross, the man who took my place, the man who walked perfectly in perfect obedience, the Son of God who did miracles and proved himself time and time again that he's not just another human being, that he is someone different that took my place on the cross in where I should have been hanging, uh, hanging for my sins. And guys, let me tell you, it's not a list of whose sins worse. If you, it says in James, if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. And we are guilty based on that. But Jesus took my place, the great exchange, as Martin Luther called it, the great transaction where he who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. He took my sin off of me, placed it on Jesus, took, took his righteousness off of him and placed it on me. And now I am set free and delivered by what he did. But guess what? I am not clothed in myself. I am now clothed in Christ. And so now I walk as Jesus walks. I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by hope, trusting in Him. So as we, as we ask ourselves, we have to see, is there, are we leaning? Do we, are we getting caught up in one of these ditches? Are we, are we walking this life saying, you know what? I think I'm doing pretty good. I think if I keep this up, maybe then I'll be okay. And then we, because what happens is what we do is we start looking and we start going, well, hey, at least, I, at least I'm not in that ditch. Oh, I might've, I might've swerved off it, but I didn't get, I didn't get in the ditch. You ever, you ever driven by, you've been driving on the road, and all of a sudden you see an accident, and there's like someone down in the ditch? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they're down in it. And uh, thank, you know, uh, we're, for this situation, we're going to say everyone, everyone's just fine, but that car is down in there, and you drive by, and you're like, man, I'm glad I'm not in that ditch, right? Glad it's not me. Do you realize that but for the grace of God, there go I? You know what, Jonathan Edwards came up with some resolutions as he was seeking, as he was walking this life, as he was called, as he was trying his best to, to honor God and do whatever God called him. Here's, he's, he basically comes up, one of his resolves is, is that he would not look at anyone else's sin except to be reminded of his own sinfulness. 
and let it stir within him the need and the hope for forgiveness found in Jesus, not judging those people, but offering the same grace. Do we approach that way? Some of us, some of us honestly, we approach the mindset of licentiousness. We, a license, basically, is what it comes down to, a license to sin. And guess what? It's a ditch that distracts us just as much. We say, oh, who cares, Henry? Don't worry about it. I, you know what? I, I haven't read my Bible lately, but it's no big deal. No, let me tell you, it is a big deal. Because this relationship is exactly that. It's a relationship that God calls and desires you to follow. We're not delivered by what we do, but we're also not delivered to do whatever we want to do. Jesus delivers us to do what he wants us to do. And that's the life that we're called to live. And here's the, here's the beautiful thing. Let's, let's keep looking. It says, verse, verse 22. So you've got this complaint, you've got this situation, you've got this distraction. And, and this is James's call. It says, it says, verse 22, what then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come, Paul. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take the, these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in obedience to the law. Now catch what's going on here. Again, the thing is, is that obedience doesn't bring salvation, but here's the thing obedience can do. Obedience can point to the one who gives salvation. You know what we're called to do? We're not called to save people. We're called to point people to the person who can save them. And we do that by our actions. It says, Jesus challenges in Matthew 5, he says, let your light shine among men so that they may see your good works and, and do what? Glorify God. James is not asking them to, I don't believe James is asking them to compromise. I don't believe there's anything like that. I think this is simply one of those moments where Paul has the chance to walk in, the, in his own testimony of 1 Corinthians 9.22 where he says, look, I become all things to all men. I become a Jew to the Jews. I become a Greek to the Greek. I be, it doesn't matter what I have to do. It, it matters that Jesus is proclaimed. Is that our desire in our lives? And guess what? Verse 26, then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. So you have the ditches, you have the call for a humble devotion to just flow out of us and we got the ditches but here's, here's the deal. As we get, if we get caught up in one of these distractions, if we get caught up in a distraction that, that comes into our lives, and we are being thrown distractions more and more every day. I don't necessarily think, I, I, I've, I've, I've kind of researched and looked at this, I don't necessarily think that our world is worse necessarily than other times. I believe there are seasons where it gets bad, and it gets, but let me tell you, if you study the empire of Rome before they fell, it was pretty bad. It was pretty rough. Guess what? They just didn't have technology to tell us all about it at an instant, in, in an instant with social media. If the Romans had social media, it would be really, it would be difficult. 
but they're, they're walking and, 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 we, and the distractions are coming. And, and here's the thing about distractions. The third thing I want us to see if we're not careful is that distractions will lead to devotion of the wrong kind. If we keep walking in distractions, as we ask ourselves, am I distracted or am I devoted? If we're distracted, what we need to grip and grasp and understand is that if we don't make a change, that those distractions become our devotion. Those distractions slowly start to creep in and they slowly start to change our heart and start to show us what this life really could be. You know what? If you just give, if you know what? If you'll just follow after this. You know what? Those younger people, they don't know what good music is. Let's go back to that. And you know what? Those older people, they just don't know what's going on. I've got freedom. I've got forgiveness. I'm going to do whatever I want. Guys, it goes back and forth. And the more we get distracted, the more we become devoted to the distraction, if we're not careful. In fact, there, was pe- there were people, as Paul saw it, he, he, Paul exemplified, he displayed a humble devotion to Jesus. And there were, there were men who didn't like it. Verse 27 says, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia... Seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd to, and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! Isn't that, isn't that the way it normally goes? Let's play the victim. Help us, men of Israel! We don't know what's going on right here. You just don't understand. They're so distracted. They, there, there is, and here's the thing. There is no, there's no evidence found in Scripture that these men are believers. These are men who are so distracted that they are blinded to the good news of the gospel. And guess what? They're so distracted, they are now devoted to its destruction. Without even realizing what was going on. They grab Paul and it says, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and he defiled this holy place. For they had previously, catch that, (laughs) for they had previously seen at this moment when they're seizing Paul, it's not even about truth. They are just have one focus and one focus in mind, and that is to get Paul out of here because they don't like his message. They don't like the life that he is calling everyone to live, Jew, Greek, Gentile. It doesn't matter. He, he, they are looking, and they are so devoted that it says they saw him previously. Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city. And they supposed, they supposed, they supposed that he brought him in. They didn't even have proof. They didn't even get, here's the, here's the deal. A distracted life, if distraction leads to devotion of the wrong kind, what it can ultimately come to is this. A distracted life can easily become hostile towards a devoted life. A distracted life can easily become hostile towards a devoted life. And can I just challenge us? The church is not immune to this. The church is not immune to this distraction and to this devotion. They just saw Paul. They just assumed that he had brought it. 
They didn't really care about the accusation. Catch what they, catch what they cry out. Then all the city, verse 30, then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the, to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Like, so they are, they are following through with their plan. This is not just talk. This is one of those things. This is true devotion of the wrong kind. They're beating the apostle. And they stop. And finally they take him. And they, they have to bind him. The, the Roman guards, the tribute comes. And they bind him up. And they're trying to carry him out because the crowd is getting so violent. And he's trying the best. The leader is trying his best to get the information. But he can't, fit, he can't hear anything because the crowd is just going wild at this point. And it says, verse 36, it says, For the mob of the people followed as they tried to carry away. He actually, look at verse 35. And when he came to the steps, he actually... Carried, that he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. There was such a devotion to this distraction that, that the Roman guards, not even really know what was going on or who Paul was, they had to pick him up and literally carry him out of there because people were crying out, away with him. I don't know about y'all, but it seems a little bit, it seems to me like just a couple you know, maybe about 20 years ago, if this was done, if this is believed to be about AD 56, about 20, just over 20 years ago, there was another crowd crying away with him. But it wasn't about Paul. It was about our Lord Jesus Christ. And they're fighting, and they're going back and forth. And some, some, some of us would say, look, James's James is plan back. For, no, it didn't, because guess what? Paul, this was the first step to Paul fulfilling his calling to go to Rome. See, Paul was always seeing the big picture. You know, the easiest way we get distracted sometimes is we forget the big picture. One of the first things we do when things don't start going our way, when things kind of come up and they get a little rough, is we, we forget the big picture if we're not careful. We, we start looking and we start going, you know, I don't know, God, is this really it? Is this really all that it is? Is this really all there that, that we're coming? But there's a calling. And Paul said, look, no, we've got it. We must walk a devoted life in the sight of God and let things unfold as they may. Look, distractions lead to devotions, and they're going to do everything they can to tear down. The enemy hates the message of the gospel. His three purposes are to kill, steal, and to destroy what Jesus has come to do. The best part is, though, is that that enemy is a defeated foe in the name of Jesus Christ and the blood shed on the cross and the testimony of his people. That is what keeps us moving forward. So when you're in your workplace and it feels like it's getting rough, guess what? There's a gospel that is bigger than your circumstances. When you're with your family and it seems like everything is coming against you, nothing is going right, and you're saying, God, I'm trying to be devoted, and this just, why is this not working? There's a gospel greater than your circumstances. There's a message bigger than that. 
Do you realize Tony Morita, when, when talking, commentating on this passage, he says early Christians were accused of incest, of cannibalism, and atheism simply because they greeted each other with a holy kiss, they took the Lord's Supper, and they refused to worship the emperor. Their message was skewed by those who were distracted. Guess what? Today, we're accused of immorality and bigotry because our views on marriage, on life. The message is the same. Our calling is to devote ourselves to it. With, catch this, with humility and with love. We don't go down beating, don't go around beating the gospel. The gospel was never meant to be used as a club but rather as a scalpel. A surgeon uses a scalpel. Why? To bring healing. The gospel is like a scalpel because it brings healing in our broken lives. But people won't understand that always. But the good news is this. Last, last litmus test. Circumstances are simply a platform for gospel devotion to be proclaimed. If we were to look, if we were to take a big picture approach, if we were to open our eyes as Paul opens his and he begins to see these things and he begins to see what's going on and he proclaims, guess what, guys, he, he is bound by two chains, which means they probably bound his ankles and they bound his hands and he's being carried off and, and they are trying their best to kill him. And do you know what Paul does? Paul looks in his circumstance and he says, stop, soldiers, wait just a second, can I say something? And they put him down and he realizes, okay, there's something, wait, this man is not who he thought he was, they were being deceived, they were lying, and he says, wait, you want to talk with him? Yes. And Paul says in verse, verse 1 of chapter 22, brothers and fathers, hear the defense. If there was anybody that could have reacted in anger at this time. It was Paul, right? He was trying to fulfill the, 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 the calling and the challenge by the elders of the Jerusalem church. And what happens to him? He gets thrown into, he gets uh, almost a be beaten and killed. And then he's arrested. And they're trying to figure out he has no idea what's going on. If anybody could have been mad, it could have been Paul. Paul could have stopped and said, whatever, I'm, not, I'm done with you. And he says, no, listen, can I just talk with you? Can I just share something with you? When's the last time in our interactions that we've responded rather than reacted? Because you know what? Circumstances are nothing but an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed. Our circumstances are just that. And can I just say that I've walked in circumstances. Every one of us, if we were to sit down, we could all... Talk about the circumstances. And you spend hours on the phone trying to figure out something and everyone's passing the blame and ultimately it still comes back on you and you've got to make something. And, and I'm, I'm texting a brother uh, in Christ that, that I love and I'm like, man, you, can you just pray for me? Because I, I'm, this is not a good day so far. And you know what he sends back? He says, thank God we're not defined by our circumstances. Press on, brother. And can I, I know that, that you say, well, Henry, if you say that to me when I'm in circumstances, I'm probably going to just, you know, just knock you out. I, I get it. 
Even this morning, I'm sitting there, and there's an opportunity. There's a circumstance comes up, and there's an opportunity to respond. We probably faced it in the car on the way here. Just saying. So the question is, do we see our circumstances as a platform to just devote our lives even more? Or do our circumstances become distractions as we seek to walk with God? Ultimately, for the church, the devotion of Paul advanced the message. And guess what? Our devotion advances the message today. The world is looking for the church to fail. The world hates the message of the church. But the greatest news is, as Paul says, look, he tell, he get, you know what Paul tells them? Paul doesn't sit there and say, y'all shouldn't have done this, y'all should have done this. He says, no, let me just tell you, can I just share with you my testimony? Starts out saying, his life before Jesus Tells about how he was a persecutor. Look, I've been in your shoes. I know where you're going. I know what's happening. I was on my way. Guess what? I encountered a great light. And the question no longer became, what is this way? It became, who is this Jesus? And it got personal. And I gave my life and followed him. And now he's called me to share this simple good news. That you are called. That he has forgiven you. You are sinful. He has offered forgiveness. If you come and follow him, there is eternal life waiting for you. And it costs nothing. If you will just follow, that's it. We have a tendency to get preoccupied with our circumstances. Band, if y'all come on up, I want to share. I was praying through this morning. Uh, this uh, there's a story. This is this is a book. Called Jesus Freaks, DC Talk, and the Voice of the Mar- the Voice of the Martyrs. This book was given to me in high school. If you've ever, if you've never read any of the stories of the martyrs, let me challenge you. See those who have gone before you. I read it when I first got it, and there's a story that's never left my mind, and I want to just share it with you. And I want I want us to ask: Were they devoted or were they distracted? The title of it is called More Love to Thee. For years, Pastor Kim and 27 of his flock of Korean saints since the 1950s had lived in hand-dug tunnels beneath the earth. Then, as the communists were building a road, they discovered the Christians living underground. The officials brought them out before a crowd of 30,000 in in one of the villages for a public trial and execution. They were told... Deny Christ or you will die. But they refused. At this point, the head communist officer ordered four children from the group, seized them and had them prepared to be hung. With ropes tied around their small necks, the officer again commanded the parents to deny Christ. Not one of the believers would deny their faith. They told the children, we will see you soon. And the children died quietly. The officer then called for a steamroller to be brought in. He forced the Christians to lie down on the ground in its path. As the engine revved, they were given one last chance to recant their faith. Again, they refused. As it moved forward, they began to sing a song. 
they, they just decided randomly to redo our roads out in Misty Acres off of Dean's Ferry because we all know how awesome Blount County roads are. And they came in and they scraped them. And one of the things they did after they after they scraped them is they decided they were going to bring a steamroller in. They're going to roll. They got to pack that dirt down. I passed one of those this week. Reading this story, that's what comes to my mind. It says they brought them forth. They began to sing together a song they had often sung together. And as they were, as they were executed, their lips uttered the words, more, catch this, more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Thee alone I seek, more love to thee. Let sorrow do its work, more love to thee. Then shall my, le- my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be my parting cry, my heart shall raise, more love, O Christ to thee and I wonder if I'm going to make it through the day because my circumstances can I just say that that I know that that's a I don't share that to just to try to try to say, look, you know, no, we're not all going to be called to do that but let me tell you, we're called to be ready to do that if willing or if, if called upon I can't imagine what I would do, but I pray that God, am I devoted enough? If it ever were to come, am I devoted? But for some of us, some of us would get distracted. We're we're reacting rather than responding, and we don't realize it, but our distractions are becoming our devotion. Maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, maybe it's uh, a hobby, maybe it is our work, maybe it is something that nobody else even knows about. If they were to find out about it, they would be in awe and they would be in shock and they would be wondering, What's this? what is this? It doesn't matter what the distraction is. If it's distracting us from the gospel, it needs to be removed and we must devote ourselves to the gospel. The do- and catch this. Devote ourselves to the gospel life, which is just that, a life. So as you bow your heads and close your eyes, my challenge to you this morning. Take just a second right now. I, and and let, me, let me just say, the Holy Spirit doesn't just work right now. It's not like the Holy Spirit is, is, is it just in this moment and the moment we walk outside that door, we, he's waiting on us to come back. No, the Holy Spirit is working in your life day in and day out. He is with you forevermore if you're a believer. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit right now could very well be showing you some distractions. Is there something that is distracting you? Is there something that we need to get out of the way? Is there something that needs to be set aside, that needs to be given up? We need to quit managing our distractions, and we need to let them die on the cross of Jesus. But there's a chance that others of us live devoted to our distractions because we've never given our lives to Jesus. This message, these good works... You're going, wait, what is this? I thought, I thought that as long as I did this, no, that's not the gospel. Look, we said legalism is not the gospel. Wait, but, but Henry, I, I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart when I was little. I know I'm messing up. I know I constantly mess up, but that's not, that's all. No, that, that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is trusting in Jesus, following him. It's not perfection. 
We're not, we're not preaching a, perfect, a perfected gospel here. We're preaching a forgiven gospel that changes our lives and says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And if we were to be honest, what distractions would come up? My challenge to you this morning is that you would you would see distractions for what they are. And exactly that, distractions. And you surrender those distractions and follow after Jesus. That's all, that's all it takes. It's, there's not some big formula. There's not something major. It's simply declaring, God, I was distracted. I'm following you now. I give up that distraction. I want to follow you. Guess what? We come back and we get distracted a little bit more. All we got to do is we come back to him. God, I'm distracted. Here I am. I'm coming back. Help me. Give me grace. Let me honor you. Let me follow you. If you've never followed him, you start following him by confessing your sins, thanking God for what he did through Jesus Christ, and and committing, surrendering to follow him. So however the Spirit is working, take just, I, I encourage you, take just a second. My prayer is that the Spirit continues to work. That as you leave this place, that the Spirit brings back to remembrance these distractions. That God brings back in love, in grace, in hope. He is our hope. Confess to Him now. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for the good news found in Jesus. I pray that every one of us, myself, first and foremost, God, that we would be focused on you. Jesus, help your church be fully devoted, humbly devoted to the love and the grace and the faith found in Jesus, that we would walk in full devotion, showing and shining your light. And God, in doing so, that that others would not see a distraction, but they would see something completely different. Something they've never seen before. The message is that we can't do it, but you've already done it. Let those who have never trusted in you commit and follow after you today in that hope. And for us who have followed you, who have devoted our lives. God, continue to work in the distractions. Continue to remove them. Let your church shine as your church. Let your church be your bride, blameless and spotless in a dark and dying and broken world. We are hope because we have hope. May you be glorified in all that you do. We love you. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, church, we love y'all. I'm I, Again, can we give it up for God because he's the one who does it all? It is all about him. If you're a guest, we thank, we thank you for joining us. We love you. We want you to come back. Again, have a great week, guys. Walk in devotion and fullness of the gospel. We love you.